Good morning, everybody. I'm Bill Stevens. I'm the lead pastor here at Ascent. It is super fun to have all of you here today to worship with us today. Um, before we get started, I want to first just give a shout out to Whitney. Whitney is our worship pastor here. And you guys, on, on Friday night, she gave us a gift. We did a gospel night in, in, in light of Black History Month. We just said, let's do this gospel night. She had worship pastors from around Denver that came here to lead us in worship. And it was a gift. It was a gift for my soul. It was super fun. And so she put in some serious work into that and then is, is leading us with the team today. Um, and so you guys, can we just thank Whitney for the work that she does as our worship pastor here? I told her, I told her, I said, that was so good. Let's do that for the entire church next year. Let's just do that on a Sunday and, 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 uh, and just have a gospel morning on a Sunday. And so, uh, next year, get ready. We're probably going to do that for, uh, for all of you guys, if we can pull that thing off. Okay. Um, if you are new, we love it that you're here. You, you've probably walked in and you're seeing tarps and stuff and you're going, what kind of a what kind of walls you guys got around here? It's just a bunch of tarps. You're stepping into the beginning of our construction of, of our permanent building that's happening right now. You guys, I walked back, back there yesterday. I was in here most of the day yesterday working on my sermon. And, and this morning I walked back there and it's, I mean, it's, I, for someone that's been here for 10 years now and for someone that, that we saw the cigarette cage that we turned into kids' classrooms and the tire center that we turned into kids' classrooms, we were borrowing a Sam's Club for the last 10 years. And now we're building this space that's, that's, that is, has permanent, some permanent walls in it. And it's super fun to just see it. And, and, uh, and, and we know it's, it's, it's daunting and, and we know, you know, we still got to raise the funds for it and the building campaigns coming after Easter for that. And we know that's part of what we have to do. But man, the excitement, I was, I just kept thinking about our staff that, and, and, and all of you that, you know, 20, 30 years from now, you'd, you'd be able to come in here and just say, I remember when, I remember when it was a tire center. And now we've got a space that is actually built for us to do church there. And also then for the community to be blessed by it. Um, and I'm standing right now in, in a place where, where a pickleball court will be. And, and there'll be some, some food options out here and pickleball courts all through here. It's going to be the, the, one of the nicest pickleball facilities in the country will be right here. So, uh, and I'm working it out with the people that are building it going, can everyone at Ascent gets to do it for free, never have to pay, spend a dime. So no, that's actually not true, but I'm going to see if I can do it for free. Okay. Um, <laughs> But we are, we are really excited about that. If you are new, I'd love to tell you more about that. After church today, every, about every couple of months, we do what we call a newcomer meeting. It's a chance for you to come up here, super, super relaxed uh, meeting where we sit in the first couple of rows here. And I just answer questions that you have about church, about what we're doing here at Ascent, about why we want to be for the good of our city, what our vision is for our church. If you have any questions about that, we want to be able to answer those. And we might even give you a little tour of, uh, of the back facility if you stick around for it. So if, if you're new, even in this last year, and you want to know more about the church, come up here and John and I will sit here. Beth's, Beth is, is feeling a little bit sick, so our executive pastor won't be here, but I'm going to be here with, with John and we're just going to answer as many questions as we have for you guys, okay? All right, let's get going with what we're talking about today. Question for you. 
Are there times in your life, and, I'm, and, I, and I know the answer to this because it's for all of us, uh, that you feel like you've wandered a little bit from center? That if center is here, you found yourself kind of wandering in spaces that you're going, gosh, how did I get a, away from there? If center, if we're talking about faith and issues of faith, you know, there's times where sometimes it's within your control. Sometimes it's out of your control. Sometimes it's just, it's things that happen. You go, I just, I, I, I found myself out here. But other times we've kind of pressed it out there where you've wandered, you know, it, church hasn't become important to you or, or praying, you haven't prayed forever. You don't know where your Bible's at. There's those, that kind of wandering. And then there's other kinds of wandering where it's like some of the decisions you've made where you say, my, the, the ways that I want to go is different than the ways that God wants to go. And so I, you find yourself and you find yourself wandering, you know, so far. And, and especially when it's your decisions and it's things that we have, the, 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 the decisions we've made that have really pulled us away from God, where you just go, what do I do now? I'm finding myself back here and it's like, how do I get back? I know that, I, that I've disappointed God in our minds and I know that I have frustrated God or I know that I have, I've just messed up. How, how do I get back? I mean, that, that happens in, not just in our faith, it happens in our life, it happens in your marriage. Sometimes it's things out of your control, you're traveling a lot and you're just kind of two ships passing in the night. Other times it's just that you've just, you've just lost that pursuit and you're, you're a little apathetic in your marriage, but then sometimes it's things that you're doing. You know, that conversation you're having with that person at work that's getting a little bit more personal than it should. And you found yourself wandering and, and, and you're going, how do I get back? And what's that gonna be like when I get back? And, and how, what, do I, what do I have to do to make up for what I've done when I get back? We do that in our business. We do that with work. We do that with friendships. You know what it's like when you've wandered in friendships and you've kind of neglected those friends that are around you and you're going, it's almost easier to live wandered from them than to turn around to try to figure out what this is gonna look like coming back. I wanna talk about that today. I wanna talk about it in light of a series that we're gonna be doing, a series we're calling The Gospel. When John and I sat out, sat down and, and kind of mapped out the year, we said, well, one of the big ones that we want to do is as Easter is coming and as we start, as we begin to celebrate the greatest act of love this world has ever seen that transforms and changes hearts and minds, as we get, look forward to Easter, instead of Easter kind of just creeping up on us and us going, oh yeah, this is the day that I dress up and we hear a, a story Instead, what if we prepare our hearts and minds over these few weeks as we get closer to Easter for that beautiful day? And so we said, let's start, let's do this series and we're just gonna call it the gospel, the upside down kingdom. That word gospel, euangelion is the, is the, is the Greek for it. And it's a, it's a, it's a word that literally, literally means um, a, a good announcement. It's a good announcement. And so, so you know, when, when kings would come in, they would, they would announce that they have come into town. Well, Jesus, I, I, I found this fascinating as I spent time in it. Jesus, for 30 years of his life, prepared to introduce the kingdom of God to everyone. 
He, he prepared, he, he, he thought about how are we gonna do this? What are we gonna do? And then he invited us in. He, he, he inaugurated the kingdom of God. Now in doing that, he knew that this would be a significant challenge, not just to the religious people, but to all people. He knew that what he was gonna say was gonna be countercultural. It was in some ways gonna be counterintuitive. It was certainly gonna be counterreligious. He knew that what he would say would people, especially if you think about the time period, Roman Empire, kingdom of God, he's going, this is going to be upside down from the way you expect this to be. And he's, and picture it, you guys, picture all those people that are out there and he's about to present something to them that he knows won't make sense to them. It was gonna be an upside down kingdom where, where instead of seeking power, he's saying the meek will inherit the earth. It's upside down. Instead of destroy your enemies, and they had a lot of them in the Roman empire, He's saying, love your enemies. Think about that paradigm shift that people had to receive and are going, this doesn't make sense. What are you talking about? He's saying, punishment? No, we're gonna give forgiveness instead. Instead of gather as much as you can, we're gonna sacrifice and give it away. He's saying, instead of paying the price for what you've done, someone else is going to pay the price. Everything was upside down. It was, it was so radical what he brought to everybody. It was so radical that people, he knew people would walk away from the things he'd say and the things he'd do. And he knew they would say, I don't know what he was just talking about. That just does not make sense for everything that I have been learning. It is, it's the kingdom of God that was gonna put others first. It's the kingdom of God that was marked by love. It's the kingdom of God that was changing people, not from the outside in, and that's all they were used to. The Roman empire changing me from the outside in. Finances changing me from the outside in. He's going, oh no, I'm gonna have change from the inside out. And so he stepped in to introducing the kingdom of God to a group of people that didn't understand it. And he, he told them, he, he introduced it through stories. He introduced it through his life. And he said, watch my life. He introduced it through, now do what I'm asking you to do or do what I'm doing so that you can understand that this is this upside down kingdom that I'm bringing into this world. He knew that it would culminate with the cross and the resurrection, but he knew that for three years he needed to prepare him for it. And so that's what people received. Come on, put yourself there, whether you're somebody that went to church or somebody that didn't go to church, put yourself in that place of listening to the son of God, but you don't know it's the son of God. And he's saying things like, for God so loved the world. And you're going, that doesn't make sense. I just know God is judgment. And, and wait, you're saying he loves the world, that he gave his only son. What are you talking about? He gave his son. I don't understand any of that. That's what Jesus was speaking into. And that's what we wanna speak into over these next four or five weeks is the gospel, the introduction of the kingdom of God that's coming in through Jesus Christ that comes to fruition at the, at the cross and the resurrection on Easter Sunday. Father, we pray that you would bless us as we walk through this with, with you. And God, we pray that you would speak to us of something that maybe we think we know, but maybe, maybe there's more to know. 
God, we pray that you would open our hearts to what you have for us today. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Okay, so in light of what I just described, I want you to think about, okay, I want you to think about how they're receiving this next, this story that Jesus tells them. Because he's going, okay, I got to help these guys to understand gospel. I got to help them to understand upside down kingdom. And so he says, he says, let me tell you this story. He says, there are these two sons. And he's going, the younger one said to the father, he said, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Now, normally I would read the entire parable because Jesus is telling a whole story, but I really want you to get into, you are now those people that are receiving this for the very first time and it doesn't make sense to you. He's saying these two sons are coming to him and, and, and to, his, to their father and, and the younger one wants his inheritance right then. Those people that are sitting there listening are going, man, that's an obnoxious request. They know they're Jewish and Jewish law was that the younger of the two would get a third and the older of the two would get two thirds of, of his father's inheritance, his father's livelihood. And so, and so he goes and asks him before his father has died, hey, can I have my portion right now? It'd be like me going to my dad. My dad's 78 years old, playing golf four times a week and say, hey dad, can I have your clubs? And my dad's saying, I'm not dead yet, Bill. He says, you want me to will those to you when I die so it doesn't go to one of your three brothers? And I said, no, 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 I want them now. Can I just have them? And then dad's saying, here you go, you can have them. A third of the estate, a third of his livelihood, a third of all that he has, he gave to his son right then. Right then the people are going, what kind of a fool was that to give his kid that inheritance right then? But listen to what happens. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set out for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. And the people got to be going, of course he did. That's what you would do. You got all that money and you just went out there and he squandered it all. Left, didn't just squander money, squandered a third of his father's livelihood. Okay, after he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to citizens of that country who sent him to fields to feed pigs. They're going, pigs? That was an unclean animal. In Jewish tradition and custom, you weren't even allowed to touch or be near a pig. It's an unclean animal. So this is an incredibly dishonorable job. Okay, so he says he went out there, squandered his dad's, his dad's blessing, his dad's, his dad's inheritance. He went and started feeding pigs in his dishonorable job. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. Here's this kid that wandered like crazy. Some of it was his doing. And then some of it wasn't his doing because a famine had hit. And so some of it wasn't his doing. But in the end, he found himself wandering far from his father and he's eaten, he wants to eat the pig slop. It's that far, he's at the end of his rope and he turns around, he doesn't know what to do. Seeing that these guys are getting paid for just, just feeding the pigs and he's going, should I go back? When he came to his senses, he says, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son, but make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and he went to his father. So the kid is, is, 
is, has wandered, turns around and says, I gotta go back to dad, but, but can I? Man, the people listening had to be sitting there just going, don't even think about going back. Are you kidding me? You're gonna go back to your dad? Your dad's had time to think about the punishment that he's gonna give you for what you've done. He's had time to think about it. When I was 16 years old, I'm, I'm, I just got my driver's license and then it was the first winter that I'm driving. I'm, I, my dad is coming up this hill and we, we live up here and there's this big hill. And it was back before there was front wheel drive, all wheel drive, you know, uh, all the all drives. It was just back wheel drive. And, and so whenever there was a big hill, you never could get up the big hills. My dad couldn't get up that hill, tried a bunch of times and had to park his car down below. It's dark outside. My dad's walking up this hill. He gets right to the crest of the hill and me and my twin brother are flying down in our Chevy Celebrity, fly, flying down the street and we go flying over that hill. And my dad, we just, I can still remember the silhouette of my dad watching the car go by. I can remember just seeing, it was like Bambi's dad. It was like just watching him go by, watching us go by. We slammed on the brakes. See, we, we, had to, we had to have slid a half a football field down to the stop sign at the bottom. We slid all the way down to the stop sign. We get down there, we keep going and we're going, what do we do now? Do we go back or do we just keep going? And so we just kept going for a little bit. And then we thought, well, maybe if we go back and help dad get home, maybe that'll soften the blow. And then so we just said, let's do it. Let's go back. So we turned around and we drove back and we got up to the top of that hill. Dad got into that car. That was the quietest quarter mile I've ever driven. Dead quiet in the car. And when we got back to the house, man, did dad uh, he let us have it. And the way my dad let us have it is he lectured and he lectured us. I mean, it was where you have to stand. You don't even get to sit. You have to stand and listen to his lecture for like an hour. And so, it's, so, the, so the, the punishment was just standing there listening for an hour. Dad had a, a time to prepare for what kind of punishment he was going to give both of us for what we were doing. This father had time. He was, he, the kid was gone and wasted away all of his money. And he comes back and he had time. And the people sitting there are going, I would not want to be that kid. Not with what the father's about to do. But this is where Jesus is saying, paradigm shift. Upside down kingdom. This is not what you would expect. I know that kid deserved every bit of punishment he could get. But let me tell you a different story. While he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He was the one wronged, the father was. But he had compassion for him. Another translation says that he was moved to the depths of his being. You guys recognize that? I've been talking about that for a month now. Splagnizomai. It's, a, it's that Greek word that is to the internal, splagna is the internal organs. And Jesus had compassion to the very inside of his being. And he's saying the, the father had compassion to the very inside of his being. This is what Jesus was trying to, to convey. See, they see God as a God of wrath and judgment. He's going, he had compassion to the depth of his being. This is an upside down kingdom that I'm introducing. He ran to his son and he threw his arms around him and he kissed him. 
Come on, when, you, when we are at the end of our rope, as far out as we've gone, as far as we've wandered, the things that we have decided to do, the stuff that has pressed us far away from God, and we don't know what to do, and we're thinking about turning back to him, when we're thinking about turning back, do you ever picture God running to you? We're trying to figure out what we're gonna say and what kind of confession we gotta make and how foolish we are. And he's running to your seat right now? He's running to you? That's the compassionate God. That's the upside down kingdom. Listen to this, you guys. The son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. And it's almost like the father interrupted him and said to his servants, quick, bring out the best robe and put him on it. That robe was a robe of honor. Put that best robe on him. Put a ring around his finger. That was a signet ring. That was a, it was a ring of authority. It was almost like a, a power of attorney was what that ring stood for. And he's going, I'm gonna give you this ring of authority. Put sandals on his feet. That was a symbol of freedom. Put him on his feet. Upside down kingdom, you guys. The king of the upside down kingdom instead of going to a throne, went to a cross. And what did he give up? Honor, authority, freedom. He gave that up on the cross for you and me. That's an upside down kingdom. And Jesus is going, the, the father gives all of that, showers blessing on him. He's saying to this son, you have come home. And that's what I want you to receive. He says, bring the fatted calf and kill it. You guys, meat was such a, 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 a specialty because it was so expensive. And the fatted calf was something that they worked all their life. They, they, were, they kept growing that, that, that calf up, the fatted calf. And when they killed that fatted calf to eat it, man, they invited the entire village to come over to eat it with them. It was a big old party. Bring the fatted calf. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For the son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Those people that were listening to that story are saying, oh, come on. Jesus is living this idealistic story, this idealistic life. Come on. What dad would ever do that? And Jesus says, you're right. Not a lot of dads would, but I know one that did and one that is. And I want you to know who that person is. That's the upside down kingdom. That's the gospel that he's introducing. 2,000 years later, we still don't fully get it. We know what Jesus did on the cross. We know what Jesus did with the resurrection. We know that he loves him. We still don't get it. You know why we know we don't get it? Because how many of us still live in guilt and shame? How many of us still are wandering? How many of us are out here and we're going, man, I, I, I'm afraid to come back. I'm paralyzed to come back. I don't know what God's gonna say or do. When I do, we still live in that. And Jesus is saying, will you listen to an upside down kingdom that will run after you and meet you with compassion? And when he meets you with compassion, he will shower blessing on you because all he wants you to do is come home. That's the gospel message that he's trying to give to all of them. Now, listen, that's a great story. And that's one that, that, that 
could have ended right there. That could be it. And we get this message of God's, God's unbelievable, over-the-top, unearned grace that he's given to us through his love. That's, that could be the end of the story right there. But there's something bugging Jesus. There's somebody else in this room. There's somebody else in the, in the crowd that's beyond just those people that this might be landing with. And they're starting to put pieces together of this upside down kingdom. They're putting the pieces together, but somebody else is there and it's not hitting them. Look at, in, at the beginning of chapter 15, it says the tax collectors and sinners were all gathered around to hear Jesus, but the Pharisees and teachers of the law muttered, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. So here are the people that Jesus is preaching to and talking to about this upside down kingdom and the Pharisees and the religious leaders are there. And he knows they're there. And he knows it's just impacting on the surface. It's, it's Star Wars, what very first Star Wars, when they tried to destroy the Death Star and it lands on the surface and they said negative, just impacted on the surface, which is hilarious that I just quoted Star Wars. I'm not a Star Wars quoter, but it's a, it just impacts on the surface. I know what that feels like when I'm preaching. And I know what it feels like when I'm, oh, I feel like, gosh, this might be settling in. But for some, it's just impacting on the surface. And I always have to surrender that and just go, may the Holy Spirit work that, is, that, that allows truth to sink in past the surface. Jesus knows as he's preaching that there's some people that it's just impacting on the surface with. And so he says, now let me tell you about somebody else in the story, the older brother. He says, the older son was in the field. And when he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. And so he called one of the servants and asked him, what's going on? Your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fatted calf because he has him back safe and sound. And the older brother became angry and refused to go in. It's almost like Jesus, you could picture him as he's telling that part of the story, just looking over at the religious leaders. They became angry and refused to even go in. Now, before we, and this is what we always do, we always think about Pharisees and religious leaders and we see that in the Bible and we just go, those guys were crazy, man. They weren't listening to Jesus. I hate to say this, but there is a lot more of us in those people than we would expect. Let me keep unpacking this for you guys. So his father went out and pleaded with him, but his answer to his father was this. Look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours, he doesn't even call him his brother. When this son of yours who has squandered your property with prostitutes comes home, you kill the fatted calf for him? There's more of us in there than we want to admit. I did, a, I did a sermon a long time ago looking at this equation that this guy named McGee that wrote Search for Significance, he, he brings out this equation that is, is a cultural equation for our life. It's our performance plus what other people think of us equals our self-worth. And I've talked about it in, in here that, that that's something that we've, we've given into since we were little kids. Our performance plus what other people think of me, at that point, my parents, equals my self-worth. When you get into middle school, my performance plus what other people think of me equals my self-worth. And sometimes we, as middle schoolers, we struggle to, we're kind of bumbling around sometimes. And, and so then it's, it's like, well, that's my self-worth, what people think of me. It runs into high school and college and beyond. And then it gets into uh, young adult and gets into, into, into employment, 
My performance plus what other people think of me equals my self-worth. And so that's why there are so many people that walk into their businesses and, and, they, and, and their jobs and they just struggle in their jobs because they know that they're not being seen for what they're doing and they feel like there's no, no self-worth and they walk into the job feeling no self-worth. Do some of you guys recognize that? We give in to that equation all the time. And what I've talked about is that equation then seeps into our faith. And then it becomes, that becomes part of our faith too. My performance, plus what God thinks of that performance, going to church, giving what I give, praying, you know, uh, reading scripture, you know, helping my neighbor, shoveling someone's walkway. Come on, God, I've piled all that stuff up. Plus what you think of that equals my self-worth. And what I've talked about is how we do that and God is sitting there going, I don't know why you're giving into that cultural equation. We're living in an upside down kingdom and this upside down kingdom is saying, you can't impress me any more than you already do. And you can't disappoint me. And, and you're working on this resume to hand to me at the pearly gates. And the reality is, I just love you. Your self-worth should come straight from the fact that I just love you. And it doesn't have to do with those things. And I've talked about how sometimes we miss that love of God because we're working on our resumes, our, our religious resumes. But this story brings up something more than that. He's saying not only is it affecting your, your, the way you can see God, but it's also making you angry and frustrated at somebody else. And you're going, no, 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 that's not me. I don't do that. Do we? How many times have you ever said this? God, I've sacrificed for you. I've done all this stuff for you. And this is my reward? I've given you everything I can and this is my reward? Come on, God. And look at that guy. He's done nothing. And that's his reward? Have you ever done that? I mean, I was a business major at the University of Washington and I was gonna be a stockbroker and I was gonna make millions and get to be in the country club that I've always wanted to be in and so that I can play golf every day for free. I, that's, that, was the, that was the life I wanted to have in college. And then I decided to go vocational ministry and I'm making 45,000 a year at 45 and I'm going, God, I have sacrificed for you. Look at what I did for you, sacrificed. And then two years ago, and you took my house? Come on, God, really? Out of all that I've done for you, you took my house? And what about that guy, that neighbor around me that was a jerk, always has been a jerk to everyone around him and his house stays? We do that. We actually get frustrated at somebody else's blessing if it's not our blessing too, or at least that we get something for all that we've piled up in this resume for God. We are the older brother at times. We're that person. Does Jesus look at him and then just slams him? No, listen to what he says. He says, my son, you're always with me. And everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because that brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. Jesus saying in this upside down kingdom, here's what happens. We can sometimes wander off 
and be pretty far from God and have to turn around. And when we do, he runs after us. But sometimes we can be lost when we stay. We can be lost when we stayed right here. And we said, God, this blessing, you owe me <laughs> this blessing. You owe me. After all that I'm doing for you, you owe me. And so when you hear of something like a, a church that says for the good of our city and we want, we want everybody to know about the gospel of Jesus and we want to be able to share that and the no strings attached generosity. And there's a party that's going, hey, what about me? I'm in the church. What more do I get? We do that. And Jesus is saying in this upside down kingdom, will you recognize that this is not a story, this isn't the story of the prodigal son. This isn't the story of the elder brother. This is the story of a loving father. It's a story of a loving father that, that says in this upside down kingdom, guilt and shame, man, they're wiped out. In this upside down kingdom, I'm showering blessing on you here and there. In this upside down kingdom, it erases equations, cultural equations that we've given into our entire life. And it tears up contracts, that contract that we sign with God that says, if I do this, then this will happen for me. It tears up contracts. It's an upside down kingdom. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a loving God that says, if you've come to church for the first time in two years and you were off because COVID happened and you discovered that skiing on Sunday morning was way more fun than listening to me in here, and you finally came back and you pulled up in the parking lot and you're worried about everybody and everything that's going to happen as you walk in and you have to wear that letter around your neck that says, I haven't been to church. God is running out to the parking lot and to your car and saying to you, welcome home. When you are praying and you know what that's like. I mean, maybe you don't, this is what I've done where I've prayed and I've just said, God, I haven't prayed in so long to you that this is embarrassing to even pray to you. It's embarrassing to ask you for anything because I haven't even prayed. And so we do it that way. And instead, God is just cheering us on as a loving father. I, I just picture my, I picture my daughter. I coached her for two years of basketball and, and she didn't make a, she, the last game of her second year. We're down 54 to two. And, and, and it's her last game. She hasn't scored one basket in two years. And she gets the ball in the middle of the key with like a six, nine fifth grader over the top of her. And she takes the ball and throws it over her head. And it goes in with like 30 seconds to go. I'm not making this up. This is what happened with Maggie. When that thing went off and we lost 54 to four, I went out there and I picked her up and I'm running around the court with my daughter on my shoulders. God is looking at you and you're, we're coming up with every excuse just like that prodigal son was doing. What am I going to say to my dad? And he's going, you're home. I just love it that you're home. It's an upside down kingdom. It's an upside down kingdom that says in the screaming of all the stress of your life, I'm not going to scream too to try to get your attention. I'm going to whisper to you. That's an upside down kingdom. It's an upside down kingdom that says, you tired from that battle? 
Instead of saying, well, just keep fighting, say, that's okay, I'm gonna fight for you. It's an upside down kingdom. Those people that were listening to Jesus talk only thought of God one way and only knew of culture one way. And Jesus is saying, I need you to see a loving father that runs after you when you wander and stays with you when you're here, but you're still blind to being here. That's the love that God has for us. He's trying to share it to a bunch of people that don't get it. And he's hoping that as they start putting those pieces together and many more things, it will ultimately lead to a little bit more of a realization that day that he has to go to a cross and then rise from the grave because in this upside down kingdom, he loves us that much. Father, I pray that you would help each one of us in, in our stages, whatever we're at. Some of, some of us right now know too well the space of wandering. They know that the courage to even turn around, is they can't even muster that up enough to turn around. But God, I pray that you would meet us in that moment. And I know you do. And so God, help us to understand that you run to us in that moment. You put your arms around us. You shower blessing on us and you say, welcome home. And God, for the people where it impacts on the surface, I pray that today it wouldn't impact on the surface. For those of us that are building resumes and saying, I think it looks better this year than it did last year. Will you help us to see that you don't care about the resume. You just want to be with us. When we're given into the equation, will you remind us that you've erased the equation? You've ripped up the contract. God, I, I just pray that each one of us would feel you running, running to us with your arms wide open. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Okay, about, about every couple of months, what we do around here is we do communion. It's a chance for us to come up to a table where today our collective, our young adults are gonna be serving everybody. And it's a chance for you to get some, some bread and some juice. And it's a chance, you, you go to the back ones too. And we put gluten-free stations back there too. And we, we, make this in, we put, make this space for you so that in these moments, you can remember something. You can remember a backwards kingdom. You can remember a God that's saying, you have a resume, but I'm erasing it. You got a contract, but I'm ripping that up. That I've run to you. And so if that's you in these days and you find yourself wandering, there isn't a better place to be than to stand in a line and come and get some bread and juice and remember that it ultimately ended and began then with him on the cross. I mean, think about that backwards kingdom, the, the king, ends up going to, not to a throne, but to a cross because he loves us that much. So you guys, today, it's not about guilt or shame. It's actually erasing guilt and shame. And let's come together and take communion.